Yo, what's going on? It's your boy, Mike. Yo, don't forget, check out New England Patriots Rundown, available on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and now also available on Stitcher. And don't forget to check out our other channel, Can We Keep It Real? Also available on all the same platforms. Streamed in nine platforms all around the world. It's your boy Michael Ribello and we out. The Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles, the Eagles, the Eagles, man. Oh my God, the Eagles. For the last four and a half months, I bet they've been friggin' loving it, man. Their Super Bowl victory, 41-33. You know what I mean? How they beat us in February, man. This offseason has been endless streams of parades on Instagram, YouTube, watching all that shit go down, man, looking at standard ovations. Made me sick looking at them receive their Super Bowl rings, but I tip my hats to the Eagles, man, you know, best of luck, man, you know, congratulations, you know, I'm happy for Chris Long or Garrett Blunt, but the rest of you guys, man, pit in my motherfucking stomach. But I'm always going to remember what my Patriots did this season to make it. Will the Eagles return? Do they have a chance? It's really easier said than friggin' done. I mean, since free agency started in 93, just three teams had ever had a chance to get back-to-back Super Bowls. The Dallas Cowboys did it in 93 and 94. The Broncos did it in 97 and 98. Right? Um, the Patriots did it in 03 and 04. I mean, there's been a lot of reasons, injuries, salary caps, turnovers, um, teams, the rosters turning over, people getting hurt, uh, people going to prison has been an effector, Mr. Aaron Hernandez, um, but Super Bowl winning coaches have repeatedly told their players about the need to stay hungry, to stay focused. To stay grounded. How many teams come out year after year and they look flat? Like, they just assume that they're going to win. How Pittsburgh assumed they were going to beat Jacksonville last year and play the Patriots. They already had that AFC Championship game mocked down the first week of August last year. Seven of the 17 previous Super Bowl winners before the Eagles failed to get into the playoffs... The next year, three of the ten managed to get back to the Super Bowl. And that was Dallas, the Broncos, and the Patriots. And what it's worth, I don't really see any signs that the Eagles can even do that. Yeah, they had good attendance, you know, in the off, you know, at their uh, OTAs. The only two players who rarely missed voluntary workouts were Darren Sproles over there, who stayed home in uh, San Diego. To rehab his torn ACL and Michael Bennett, who was acquired from Seattle back in March. But we still really haven't seen what they're going to do, what their mindset is, how they're going to do things, how they're going to grind. We really don't know. What was the staple of this team last year, though, what we really seen last year was that each and every day, whether it was during training camp or the offseason or regular season, they would just keep grinding. They had adversity. They had all kinds of shit going on. 
But teams that win the Super Bowl and are reasonably healthy heading into the postseason, the Eagles really wasn't. The next man up that New England had always had, that became the Philadelphia Eagles' battle cry. They lost nine Pro Bowl, nine-time Pro Bowl left tackle Jason Peters. He tore his ACL in like week six or seven. Sproles had an ACL injury in, I think, week three. Their best quarterback, Ryan Dobby, he missed eight games with a dislocated ankle. Their defensive leader, Jordan Hicks, he hurt his Achilles in, I think, week seven. Chris Mongos, their special teams player, he suffered a season-ending knee injury in six. There was another player hurt in week one, and he never even played again. Um, Sturbus, I think his name was. And then the league MVP candidate, Carson Wentz, he ended up tearing his ACL in week 14. He was leading the NFLs in touchdowns, passes at the time. He was going to be the league MVP. But he got injured. And it would again game, set, match if he didn't, but it didn't. It didn't work out that way. And everybody in the Patriots organization knows that once his backup, Nick Foles, stepped in and he led the Eagles to a run-pass offense heavy. Three playoff games. He ended up completing 11 of 14 third-down passes for 169 yards and nine first downs against the Patriots defense in the Super Bowl. I said alone that I said, oh, Nick Foles is done. The Eagles ain't going far. The Eagles are not going to go far in this year's playoffs. They're not going to make it with Nick Foles. And you know what? I was wrong. I was very, very wrong. Boy, how wrong was I? Their coach believed last year's injuries will end up paying making up for it this year. They have returned to players like Peters and Sproles and Wentz, Mangroves, and Hicks. They think they will help the Eagles avoid a Super Bowl hangover. But are the Eagles going to be able to get back to the Super Bowl? I think it's going to be something to keep an eye on. Are they going to be humble and grounded? I mean, sometimes people run their mouth and think they're bigger than life. And sometimes your balloon floats a little too big. But my prediction, Eagles will not make the Super Bowl this season. Yo, it's your boy Mikey and this is New England Patriots Rundown. More coming soon. Email me, canwekeepitreal40 at gmail.com. And don't forget, check out my other show, can we keep it real with there's all types of shit going on? You got real crime, mafia, hip-hop, 6ix9ine, Triple X Killer on there. And, uh, oh, update, Triple X Killer Derek Williams was not raped in prison. That was fake news, and I fell for it, but I did wait till I had, like, three confirmations before I ran with it, and I still fell for it, but it's your boy Mikey. Talk to you later, man. We out. They say in the NFL that there's not a better weekend in sports than the Pro Football Hall of Fame festivals, especially if you've ever been there. 
with more than a hundred return and go jackets and you can truly appreciate the atmosphere in the Canton Halls. But people that have that special bond with the Hall of Fame, they're humbled to be part of the new team. Over years and years, we've seen so many people humble at that opportunity and be gracious on the acceptance of it. Until the day that this man wasn't humble and wasn't appreciative for it. Does he have a right? Terrell Owens chose not to be part of this year, instead making it all about me. It is no secret that the two superstitions for conduct detrimental to his team and other diverse actions not only kept him from being elected in the first two years of eligibility, but led him to not even surviving the initial reduction from 15 finalists to 10. But he never accepted responsibility for his attitude, instead blaming the perception on the media and saying that he has never been arrested or been involved in illegal activities at all. And of course, that is irrelevant. The reality is the Hall of Fame voters are not to consider off-field issues like what they are considering. But can you take that into account, how players carry themselves with his teams and how they act in the locker rooms? Some people would say that T.O. thinks he's the only player in history to have to be wait to get into the Hall of Fame. He was elected in his third year of eligibility. Is that so bad? Other receivers, Lynn Swan, they waited like 14 freaking years. John Stallworth waited like 10. Tim Brown, 6. Chris Carter, about five or six. I mean, we could keep going on and on and on about how many people waited to get in the Hall of Fame. What makes Terrell Owens so different? This past February, during the Super Bowl in Minnesota, Terrell Owens was a big presence over on Radio Row. But he ended up leaving town because he was upset the questions he was being asked. People from the Hall of Fame contacted him after the election to say he could come back to Minneapolis to be introduced at halftime of the Super Bowl and participate in the initial orientation. But he said, hell no, I'm good with that. While Randy Moss said during an interview with the other, um, the other modern day players, Brian Urlacher, Ray Lewis, Brian Dawkins, he said, one thing that I know is that we are a family. And it does feel weird without having T.O. with us. But it is great that Randy Moss did get inducted into the Hall of Fame. And I so wish he would wear his Patriot attire. Even though his early season in Minnesota made him a great player. But I think it was the New England Patriots that ended up defining his career at the end. In a statement on Twitter, Terrell Owens said, While I am incredibly appreciative to this opportunity... I have made the decision to publicly decline my invitation to attend the induction ceremony in Canton, Ohio. After visiting Canton earlier this year, I came to the realization that I wish to celebrate what will be one of the most memorable days of my life elsewhere. At a later date, I will announce where and when I will celebrate my induction. I mean, I don't know why T.O. don't want to share it with other great people that got to that point. But on the NFL Network, Hall of Fame receiver Michael Irvin said, It's not about the voters. Don't give the voters the pleasure of knowing that they meant that much to you. 
when you finally got in. You're not even showing up. And the whole while you campaigned about being in when he did not get in. He and I were shooting a commercial together one time and he came to the commercial with a Hall of Fame gold jacket with all his records on it. So you went and made a made-up gold jacket and you won't even show up to get the real gold jacket? What is more crazier than that? So Owens, not only he sunk to new lows, when his FS1, Jason Whitlock, who even criticized Owen for his own decision. On Twitter, Owens ripped Whitlock for his weights. Then he said he would agree to have donuts with him when he lost 100 pounds. Owens then went on to say, Bring your boy Michael Irvin too. I got some powdered donuts for him. You too, Uncle Thomas. Now there's some real Hall of Fame class for your ass. Carter had some passionate words for Terrell Owens during his show on FS1. He was not happy, and he had to wait to be enshrined, but because he's a challenged man when he was elected, he acknowledged it's embarrassing and the way he handled it early in the year when it didn't happen. Chris Carter said of Terrell Owens, he's missing it here. I can understand why he's upset. I was upset, but you can't take it out on the hall. You can't punish the hall. The weekend will go on without you, whether you're here or not. Carter gave us one of the most emotional speeches ever at his ceremony, telling many of the people that helped along the way, including his mom, sit down, you're in the Hall of Fame. He noted that Owens is robbing those close to him of that moment. Owens already chosen NFL assistant coach George Stewart as his presenter. I'm not going to take it all out on the hall, but, I mean, Owen should have handled it differently. I mean, really, like, is it not a crime not to take this opportunity? I mean, to show the kids of today what you did and how appreciative you are to be part of the NFL? Are you, Terrell Owens, taking it for granted what only, like, 1,400 people a year have the opportunity to do in playing a national football league, a professional football league? Terrell Owens, I think you're sloppy, and I think you're a cornball. But yo, this is your boy Michael Rabello, and you're listening to New England Patriots Rundown. Thank you, everybody. There'll be more episodes coming soon. And don't forget, check out my other channel, Can You Keep It Real? And if you want to be a guest on either, hit me up. Can We Keep It Real? 40, gmail.com. I love you, you my family, you my people, we out. Well, we ended up finding out that the New England Patriots had a special guest in attendance. Kobe Bryant retired from the NBA last season after a stellar 20-year career, and he took some time to join the Patriots in Foxborough, Mass. It was closed to the media, but thanks to some posts on social media by various players... The special guest was L.A. Lakers star Kobe motherfucking Bryant. That was a badass young boy. His young career, yo, Kobe was on fire. Belichick even said that Kobe Bryant had a lot of observations after watching practice. And there were things that Kobe Bryant noticed that we can actually learn from. Wow, Kobe Bryant taught Bill Belichick something.
Stefan Gilmore was one of the first Patriots who posted pictures with the future Hall of Fame Kobe Bryant on his social media account. He said, I had to. I couldn't let him walk out of the building without getting a picture. Gilmore said on one of his selfies, I'm excited looking at this story. We're still following the future of Gronk's contract. There's been reports and speculation that Gronk and the Patriots were working on redoing the tight end's contracts for the second straight season. But nothing has really come out yet, and we'll have to stay tuned for the All-Pro, see if he gets a new contract. But um, everyone's being quiet about it. But a year ago, incentives added to his deal helped Gronk turn an All-Pro season into nearly $11 million, doubling his take from 2017 would he like to get something done with his contract before the 18 season i really think he does want to will he will the patriots extend his contract will gronk be around how much longer our nfl players getting a free ride a lot of nfl players even the ones that don't end up uh, earning them long-lasting jobs on football rosters, are they ever going to have to worry about paying back their college loans? They say nearly every player who is good enough just to audition for a role in the NFL has come from a school that offered him a paying scholarship, what known as a free ride. If the NFL players tuition assistance plan Gronkowski... Gaskowski and Karras discovered another irresistible opportunity to continue taking free rides. Both men are actively pursuing their masters in business as offered online by the University of Indiana and on a number of qualifying institutions. Everyone wanting to pay for my schools, Karras said, so I figured as long as I'm playing, they want to pay for it or I'll go to school. There's actually current NFL places. You know that they can take courses to get themselves an associate undergraduate degree? And the costs of which are credited to the player's account up to 20000 each year. Retired players like former Patriots long snapper Danny Aiken are eligible as well up to six years following the conclusion of their NFL career and can receive... 15000 up to 60000 a year. Now, that's crazy. These guys are getting a free ride. They're making millions of dollars, and they still don't have to pay for their college education. It looks like for uh, a player, they got to earn at least a C average in each class. Goskowski and Carriage managed to do that thanks to similar routine concentration and studying. Goskowski in 2000 went to the University of Memphis. He majored in exercise science with a minor in marketing. He'd taken a handful of business classes back then, but he knew he needed help when he was going to redo it a decade later. I mean, I understand football is very important and your education is also equally important, but I just don't see why these guys will get a free ride. They make a lot a lot of money and now you're saying that even after they retire they can continue their education and the NFL is going to pay for it who pays for it do the schools just give them a write-off do they give them a free ride 
I mean, it looks like for the Patriots, it looks like Karras and Guskowski are the only Patriots taking advantage of the free tuition program. Left guard Joe Thune is on his way to earning his MBA, and Joe Cardoner also recently enrolled. It's cool to have someone else talk about it, said Joe Thune and Guskowski. I just don't know how I feel about millionaires going back to school and getting a free ride where my children can't even get a free ride. What is going to happen with Tom Brady's blind side? Now, I have been known to rave about Dante Scarnecchia. I think he's the best thing at offensive line since sliced bread. I don't think he's going to be phased, and I think that that it's not unreasonable to think that he cannot be replaced. Yes, he was. Nate Solder was a great left tackle. But you know what a lot of people don't realize? Tom Brady, in his entire career, he had two full-time left tackles at that position. Yes, time to time somebody would get injured and somebody would fill in. But mostly... He had two people, and that was this year's um, Hall of Fame winner, Matt Light, and Nate Solder, who just signed with the New York Giants. Them were the two people that protected Tom Brady's blindside over the course of his career. I mean, of course, there was always them injury fill-ins at different times that went along the way. But until now, there was essentially, there was no open competition for the job ever at protecting Tom Brady's blind side. But with Nate Solder moving on to collect his $60 million free agent contract this year, the new expected starter, right now, it is unknown. I'm sure Skarnekia knows and Belichick knows and, you know, I think I even know. But we'll have to see what happens. Dante said, I like the people that I have right now. Let's make that clear right now. But the options for that position, it looks like two different guys with two different skills totally are up for that position. I firmly think it's going to go to Trent Brown. I mean, this kid is 6'8", 300-pound monster. 6'8", that is incredible. Through his whole career, he primarily played right tackle. Now, back Matt Light, Bill Belichick tried to switch him over there to, um, to right tackle, and it was horrible. He put him over there left tackle. Matt Light went on to have a Hall of Fame career. But in his three years in San Francisco, but New England also has their first pick in Isaiah Wynn. I mean, he's, he's big, too. He's six foot two. 308 pounds. I mean, he don't have the extra 7 inches in height, but, I mean, there really hasn't been a lot of really 6'8 tackles in recent years. That left tackle position job is very important, but I think Dante Skarnecchia pretty much knows who he's going to put in that role. That's probably going to be the position that's going to be most watched. This um this preseason getting ready to go into uh to the regular season, but Dante Skarnecchia last month in an interview he didn't sound too worried when he went when he met with local media over at Gillette. 
He did say that both Wynn and Brown were among injured linemen not taking part in the early stages of the offseason program, so we'll have to wait and see where that goes when players report the last week of July. Skarnecki has said, the good news is I like the guys we have here right now. He said, that's the good news. The bad news is we can't work with some of them until training camp starts because we have two guys with shoulders, we have a guy with a bad foot, and on and on and on. But that's the hand we've been dealt when training camp comes around. They are all going to be out there. So with the two leading guys not being able to participate, Scott Necky already pretty much has an idea who's going to play. It's really more about continuity, I think, on, on that line. It's about everybody being able to work as a pot, a moving machine, one movement, one sound. I think Wynn has what it takes to play a tackle in the NFL. He had some impressive years at guard for Georgia, and he also set an all-SEC left tackle record last fall. And the veteran... Coach downplayed the lack of measurables that had any meaning on draft weekend will lead to the youngster returning to the inside at the next level. Skarnecchia also went into saying how important and did a demonstration by having height and length is important on the offensive line. Skarnecchia said he liked to see him all as tall as this. And not only being tall and long, coming with the skill to play the position. He definitely has enough length, and he's definitely long enough. Skarnecchia went on to show how arm extension, punch, and blocking technique can make the difference between 35 and 37-inch arms, especially to win according to his pro-day results when he entered into the NFL with a 33-inch arms. He said he thinks that's way overrated, he said he's not saying that every tackle should have 20-inch arms, but I'm saying maybe there are some minimums. I think we have the guys that we have that are in training at that position all fall within those standards. Matt Light's arms were 33 inches, and he played 10 years in the NFL at left tackle. Kyle Shanahan once called Trent Brown one of the best pass protection tackles that he's ever seen. Well, I want to see him prove it first, but let's see what he could do on the left side of the field. But it looks like winning Brown may not be prototypes. Certainly doesn't mean they can't do the job. Maybe they, they wasn't fitted for the mold, but Dante said he can fit them for the mold. You have to train guys to their... You have to train guys to what they know how to do. Skarnecchia also said that the team's preference was to keep Marcus Cannon at the right tackle spot that he held down in recent years, included uh, bringing in um, Adrian Waddle for the conversation for reps on that right side also. Um, he also uh, covered the conversation about replacing the former first-round pick Nate Solder coming off arguably his best year as a you know, pretty much in that task, but um, it's a big challenge, he said, because, you know, you got to get really in that comfort zone with him, especially the way Nate was over the last half of the season. Nate did play really good because he learned to use his hands the way Skarnecchia wanted him to. You have to listen to this man. 
You know what I mean? Like, I tell people all the time, I don't need you to hear me. I need you to listen. And listen, don't forget to do that Apple iTunes review, please. I mean, look at the names that been held down on that left tackle spot. I mean, even before Nate Solder, you had Bruce Armstrong. Like, there's been some great names in New England football at left tackle. So we'll see what five guys Skarniecki picks to, um, to fight in the trenches for the 2018 New England Patriots team. But I know Wynn will be involved in it. I know Brown will be. Dunny and Cannon have a, a foot issue. They'll be involved. But um, we'll see what he puts together. I think they're going to be all right. I think Skarniecki is a man with a plan, man. Hopefully, Father Time slows down for Skarnekia because he's been around a long time. Well, it's your boy, Mikey. And that was what I think about it. Skarnekia is unfazed over the left tackle position. This is New England Patriots Rundown, and I'm Michael Rabello. Don't forget, check out my other show, Can We Keep It Real? Podcast. I'm your boy, Mike, and I'm out of here.